Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Andy. And before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about RebateJet.com. What is RebateJet? Well, it's a piece of software that I created that will help Amazon sellers get their products noticed. You can launch with promo codes, rebates. Not only that, but you can list your product for free on the RebateJet third-party marketplace. You don't pay a single penny unless you make a sale. And when you do, it's only a $1 flat fee per product. Try it today, RebateJet.com. Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott with Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 124. And we are super excited to have David Lang and Ryan Shepard on. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Okay, thanks, hey. So we messed up Ryan's last name. It's Sherard, oh, <laughs> but it's uh, okay. Sherard, you know what? You know what? And he was just reading very fast. I was. <laughs> see, see, if 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 I was still doing ATC, I'd be in big trouble for you know not getting the call sign right. So <laughs> that's what happens when you get old. Sherard, yeah, sorry, right? Hey, no worries, no worries. <laughs> so you know, I've known these guys for a while, and I'm so excited to have them on the seller roundtable today, uh, and have them share their inspiring story with all of you guys. You know, it's always good to have sellers on. We have had a lot of service providers on lately, and they're helpful because they give us the tips, and they get to, uh, you know, they get to talk to a lot of different sellers and work with a lot of different sellers. And along with that comes a lot of experience that they can share with us. But we love having sellers on the seller roundtable because it's really inspiring to be able to have you guys here to talk about your story and, you know, where you got started and where you are now and, and what you're working on. And uh, so Without further ado, David and Ryan, why don't you give us your background and just tell us kind of how you got started. And uh, as much as you want to tell us, Andy always says, you know, if you want, if you want to leave a blood sample or whatever, it's okay. <laughs> as much as you want to tell us, let us know um, a little bit about you. Okay. Well, it started back in 1985 when I was born. <laughs> so, uh, no, so um, yeah, so I'm. Uh, we're living in Germany, so we're both Canadian, but we're living in Germany actually, and uh, we're living in Munich. That's where we met. We met online actually, which is kind of funny because now we're working a lot online with other people and meeting cool people. We met online because my wife, who's also Canadian, was homesick, um, and I said, "Look, let's just try to find more Canadians living in the city," and that's how Ryan and I met. And at the time, my wife and I had actually started a, a little Amazon business. We started just the two of us. I saw a course online um, that I decided to sign up for. It was just a dream of mine to always try to produce one idea to real product. I gave myself uh, a year deadline. So I said, by New Year's Eve, I want to actually launch a product. So when we met Ryan, he saw me working on all this stuff, this Amazon stuff. And we finally launched our first product last year. Um, it was right as COVID hit. So it was, we were live. Our first product was February, 2020. We got in. So at least I had all my sock at Amazon and we're trying to sell it, but it was a complete dud. It wasn't working. And Ryan saw me a little frustrated trying to figure stuff out. He's like, what are you, what are you doing all this time? Come have a beer. Let's go to the beer garden. I'm like, no, I got to work. I got to hustle. Um, and I was doing that, you know, I have two small kids. So I was listening to all these podcasts. Andy, your voice, literally, I would listen to it, uh, this podcast, as it was like pushing my daughter to fall asleep for a nap. She only falls asleep while we're walking or driving the bike. 
Um, but not while I, listening to Andy. She not while listening to Andy. You didn't put her to sleep. <laughs> uh, but I would listen not. to all these podcasts and try to figure everything out. And then Ryan kind of got a, you know, got a feel for it. Yeah, I was kind of curious. You know, I, uh, I was like, I've never done anything on e-commerce before, and so I was just kind of, kind of curious and offered, um, I think, initially to help out with what was it, some social media stuff. Well, so and- that was the deal. So our, our personal backgrounds. I'm an airline pilot. Uh, I am a scientist. So very analytical people but also very different yeah. yeah so quite different but similar we have some uh, similar interests um but i actually made him a deal i'm like look i'll get you my buddy pass but i need you just to take care of my social media stuff and i'm thinking okay i can get like free flights this is going to be a great year do some social media just make a few facebook posts and i can have some free flights and i think it was two weeks later that covid hit and yeah. flights stopped happening. flights stopped <laughs> so he never got a flight <laughs> Um, but then he also never did a social media post for me ever because I found out he hated social media and he just wanted to help me a bit. Um, but then he said, he got the bum end of that deal. I know. Uh, but he was good at Photoshop. So he helped me with some Photoshop work, some artwork. Uh, and then he he would actually go online and try to find more people that I could follow, that I could learn from. Cause I'm a big believer of trying to find someone who's already made it and just learn from them. Um, and he actually found Amy, which was hilarious. He's like, Dave, look, she's starting a course. It's about listing writing. I think your listing might suck. We don't know. <laughs> Do her course. You're going to learn some stuff about SEO. Uh, I'm like, sure. And I think Amy, I think the word that got us was canonical URL. And you had a, you had an article talking about that. And that just that blew our minds. That blew we're our like, minds. We're like, this right? Science. Oh <laughs> Science. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we started with doing different courses and, uh, you know, we continued. I had a bit more time as I, more than I wanted last year because of COVID, I wasn't flying a lot. Um, I was grounded for most of the year. And then we made it official. Ryan joined the team. Uh, we became a trio at that point. And then Ryan and I got to work, did all the work. My wife was really supportive at home, took care of the two kids and, you know, kept her. She helped with some creative stuff. And then uh, we basically retired that first failed product but took all the learnings from it. And then we launched two new ones last October. We finished the year with 73,000 in revenue. So that was a big milestone for us for our first year live. We thought that was pretty good. And now this year, it's our second year. We have, uh, we've launched several new products. So we're currently at seven different products. Um, and we're up at 1.4 million year to date. So pretty excited for Q4 and it's been an exceptional growth. Uh, it's been busy nonstop and it's been kind of wild. It, we still don't really fully believe it or know what happened. No, I mean, I started this whole thing with a full head of hair for <laughs> anyone who can't hear, you can imagine what my hair looks like now. <laughs> yeah, we said we've been doing Amazon, you know, for two years and we've aged about 30 years. So it's been good. Wow. Well, you know, it's just amazing that you guys really figured out, first of all, through taking the listing class that the product might be a dud your first product might be a dud and you you still were able to sell that dud by changing up your listing and then you also realize like wow imagine if we like applied this stuff to new products and look how fast you know you also took many other learnings not just mine but um but you were able to scale so fast and that is just really really incredible and it's it's a good thing to show others how if you just stay focused and you continue to learn what you don't know and you continue to, to apply the things um, that, you know, others are, are working for others that, that you can really uh, make it work for yourself. So 
along that line, what was really the biggest challenge with Amazon once you got started? And is there any advice that you want to give other sellers that are just starting out? Uh, yeah. So I think, I mean, the biggest challenge at the beginning when I was starting, we have zero, zero background in e-commerce. Um, no, no real marketing online. Everything was new to us. So the biggest challenge that we had at the beginning was learning things while implementing them at the same time. And it kind of felt like we're learning, we're building. And luckily our character is, is okay with not fully knowing what's going on and still trying to figure it out. And we didn't see it as a, as a bad thing or as a failure. So we were okay. My original concept was just get a product live. It doesn't matter if it fails, just get it live because that's when the real learnings are going to come from anyway. And I was totally okay with that. And I said, we just got to get out there. And then that, that was the one thing that kept us going because it didn't demotivate us. We didn't see it as a failure. We saw it as a learning opportunity. We just saw it as a practice run, the first product. Um, and the hardest thing was just a constant learning, dealing with the external obstacles because Amazon loves throwing curveballs, right? Like, I mean, especially last year, we, we, we all had them, the ASIN uh, restock limit, right? And everyone's scrambling for, to get a 3PL last minute and all the 3PLs are full, the shipping delays, uh, lost inventory. I mean, yeah, we see like, since day one, um, I think Dave especially has seen Amazon as this beast. And it's just like, don't poke the beast because yeah. you can get your account suspended for three months. And, yeah. you know, and so he's he's passed that on to me. And now we're both super cautious anytime it, it comes to, you know, poking, poking the Amazon beast. So we stay well within, you know, we don't do any um, black hat tastics, or everything hat, no. or gray hat, everything's, you know, white. We think forward, like, what can we do today that's probably, you know, going to get us through you know, not only the next few months, but the next few years in Amazon, we kind of look where Amazon's headed and, and make our decisions based on, you know, what we think is still going to be acceptable in two or three years on Amazon. Yeah, like, like one key example of that was just when it came to barcodes right at the beginning, I knew I could probably get an exemption and I could just do an FN SKU. But I was like, my mindset, I was always like, yeah, but think bigger, think really big, forget Amazon. Like Ryan and I get into fights because if people ask us, oh, what do you guys do? He'll be like, we're Amazon sellers. I'm like, no, we're not. We're e-commerce people we have a business like we're bigger than just amazon and uh so we'll fight a bit so we're always trying to think like bigger than amazon to actually protect us from amazon because so we go with gs1 barcodes from the beginning right and now it actually evolved that you need a gs1 barcodes and it's better to have the official one it allowed us to get onto walmart um so all that stuff just thinking always bigger than amazon has kind of protected us from amazon a bit Right. Thinking of Amazon as a sales channel instead of your entire business, I think is so important. You know, yes, it's a very strong sales channel, but I'm always trying to think about diversification as well. And I know Andy does the same thing. You know, we're, we're always doing new things and we're never afraid to pivot to uh, another strategy or to selling somewhere else. So um, what about product selection? So you kind of talked about how, you know, your first product, I think all of us have that first product story where we're like, oh, I learned from that one. That was fun. Uh, but how has that evolved for you? And, and how do you now choose a product or develop a product? No, I, the leader. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really keyword based, you know, mm -hmm. keywords, search volume, can we do, can we make a product that has high many many keywords with high search volume and that are highly relevant for this product yeah. you know you don't want to launch a product uh, that only has you know a couple search terms with you know 300 search volume you know a month and and then you're wondering why no one's visiting your listing or why you're not getting sales so 
it's really just keyword driven it's for keyword, us. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's exactly why the first product that, that Dave launched, um, you know, failed and why, um, well, I guess, but, well, here's the thing, slow. the, the yeah. people that bought it, they loved it. And the people that found it, they loved it, but people weren't finding it. Right. And mm -hmm. so the course that I originally did said, you just have to differentiate as long as you're different and better, you're going to get sales. That might be true if people are looking for that, right? So if you do something that's so unique and so crazy and so out there, then maybe you should launch on Etsy or via Facebook, or you should, you know, find a group that's specifically looking for that. Um, but if you're going to just launch straight on Amazon, there has to be demand for it. So we just pivoted that approach saying, okay, let's find the, the search volume and let's create a product that's better than the competition on that search volume. So Got it. So you true. aren't really thinking about finding a product. You're finding keywords where there's an opportunity and yeah. where others have not developed a product in that area yet. And then you're looking at those keywords and that opportunity and developing the product to match so that when customers search that keyword and there's nothing to match, you are the first to market with that product that perfectly matches that keyword and that intent behind it. And there you go, right? You've got you've got a great product out there. So it's it's that's a great strategy to use. It gives you enough search volume where you're not stuck, right? Um, but it also gives you the search volume plus the product that meets the need that isn't currently being met in the marketplace. Plus, it's it's a very good way to think of variation for a product too, right? So if you're looking at pet products and you create something for a certain type of dog, then you just find what are the search volumes, what other kind of dogs have high search volume, and then you just, you just pivot that product, turn it into a variation for that type of dog, or at least market it that way. And that's how we were able to come up with so many different variations of our product, which are all very similar, but they're similar to us because they're similar manufacturers, a similar process. However, because they have a completely different set of keywords, for Amazon, it's a completely new product and a completely different market. Yeah. Right. And great with all the products, with all the different keyword um, tools you have nowadays, you know, they're just so accessible to people with Helium 10. We love brand analytics, you know, because yeah. that data is coming straight from Amazon. Um, and then even one time, Dave and I were just sitting, uh, kind of searching on amazon.com in, in the search bar, and we started typing in something, and it, the search bar auto-completed what we were typing into something we didn't, never even thought about, and we're like, whoa, whoa are we launching that product? Like, and, and we just launched it, and it was great, and it's a good success. <laughs> That's really, really awesome. Yeah, I think um, that that is a really great way to find the market. It's, it's like um, when they say find your buyer instead of looking for that product, right? Where you're just getting stuck in that loop of you know analysis paralysis, find your buyer and then give them what they're looking for. And that's a very quick way to be able to launch and rank very, very quickly. So speaking of launch, can you guys talk a little bit about your launch process? What does your launch process look like? And um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good, it's a relevant topic because yeah, we just launched a new product a couple of days ago. So we're actually smack dab in the middle of a new launch right now. Um, I mean, maybe Dave, you can you can take the lead on this one, but I yeah. think it's just- Well, relevant. our launch, we actually started way before, like during product selection kind of. So it, it all starts with a keyword list. We create our keyword list. Uh, we make sure that when we select the keywords that we want to really launch for and that when we launch the product or during the product selection, we don't just look in the month that we're looking at the product. 
So let's say we're doing keyword research or product research in February. We're not looking at February search volume. What we're looking at is the Q4 of last year, maybe the year before. We try to get historical data on it because we want to make sure we have a product that has a nice big peak. And we also want to see seasonality of the product and the search volume, right? So we actually plot, okay, where are the peaks? Okay, there's going to be, we're expecting a Valentine's peak maybe or a summer peak or a Christmas peak. So we'll plot it all out. And we do this kind of like a forecast of each keyword, what their search volume looks like. And then we say, okay, in which month are we launching in? What are, what's the search volume that's highest in that month? Those are the keywords we're going to go for. Always looking forward though, saying we're going to use the chance now. So for example, the product we're launching now, we're trying to be organically in the top Christmas keywords. Because by the time Christmas comes, we don't want to start having to rank for it, where PPC is going to be expensive. Everyone's going to try to rank for it. So we're always thinking like three, four months ahead, where do we want to end up after we finish this launch? So that's kind of where it starts. And then for the actual launch itself, um, we actually just do PPCs. So we started very narrowed. We do a very, very focused PPC. Our main objective when we launch is just to prove to the algorithm that we know what our product is what keywords we want to be listed for, ranked for. We targeted with exact match uh, only. And uh, we only start actually with a sponsored product. So we don't do any brand ads at the beginning on it or video ads at the very beginning. Uh, we can explain later why. We only do sponsored products. We try to get a very high click-through rate on it to show relevancy. So we actually do a higher top of search modifier. Um, and we're okay with a high ACoS because we know that it'll be worth it long-term. And we start on a very, very small list of keywords that are high, highly relevant, so ultra relevant. And in the first couple of days, we may not get a lot of sales, but the sales that we do get are at a very high conversion rate, right? And then we start, we track everything. So we have a launch tracker that we built where we track our daily sales and our organic ranking of all the keywords that are in our list, where we can actually see what's happening. And we can see a halo effect, meaning that we're targeting only five words, but we're starting to get ranking on 10, 15 words. And once we see some ranking from that halo effect, we start now pushing with PPC on that phase two or phase three keyword. Yeah. I hope I yeah. Yeah. I, I think normally Andy and I both would be like, what do you mean you only use PPC? You know, because we really want people to use um, external traffic. We want you to, cause it's just ranks you really, really well. But in your case, what you're doing differently that most people don't do is you're doing that keyword research, extensive keyword research, and you're launching based on those keywords and the timing of the search volume of those keywords. And you're focused on the platform specifically for that search volume. Um, so I think in your case, it's okay to be using, and clearly this launch strategy is working well for you because it's it's really been successful for you. So not only are you using keywords to choose the right product, but you're also using your um, your keyword research in in depth keyword research um, from the past, right? Looking you know a year or longer. Uh, backwards so that you can predict what it's going to be in the future. You're planning your launch around that and you're really focused in on those keywords that you want to be on page one for, that you want to convert for, that are super relevant to your customer. You're launching, you're ranking for those first, and then you're moving on to your next ones and your next ones, and you're having the snowball effect. So while it is an Amazon only PPC thing, I think that, uh, well, 
the proof is in the pudding and you guys have done well, a and, very and, good job. In all fairness, we do start running external ads after about two, three weeks, but we want the first two, three weeks just to be fully in our control where we get full data. Because when we run external ads, the attributions we found, they're not very accurate or they lag sometimes. So we don't feel like we're in control and we're a big control freaks, uh, Ryan and I. So we like to have as much data as possible to see the results from what we're doing. That's yeah, why we just focus on Amazon for the first three, four weeks. And then we start doing external as well. And even like the, think what we do is just, it's just, you know, Google search ads, again, just on those very high relevant terms. So you, you're driving external traffic, but it's still ultra, you know, relevant, um, you know, external traffic that could convert on your listing. So. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either in terms of staying focused just on, on that one thing, unless you have a dedicated, you know, you know, if you're a small team and you don't have somebody who's like dedicated to PBC or paid ads or something like that, uh, you know, the whole 80-20 thing, you know, if you can put more uh, concentration into making sure that those campaigns are successful, that might be better than, you know, kind of half-assing like three or four different, you know, traffic sources and being like, ah, is it working? Ah, I don't know, maybe, you know, so that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, not necessarily a bad thing, but, but also, you know, uh, you know, getting that data and then turning on the, 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 the traffic that, you know, the keywords that are, you already know through the Amazon platform are converting, uh, not necessarily a, a bad plan, especially if you're getting in there before the honeymoon period's over. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, going back to the first product that we had, um, yeah, because it, we had a really hard time selling it. We, we were trying everything we were throwing, you know, Pinterest, Pinterest Facebook. Facebook, all the things we were filming video ads in my backyard, <laughs> you know, on my camera, just it for, it was good. Cause it forced us to look at all the different avenues of traffic, but it did spread us pretty thin and we didn't see a huge boost based on those efforts. So, and, and the only thing it really taught us is like, if you screw up the product research phase, and if you try to launch a product that's destined to fail on Amazon, it's just going to be expensive. And time uh, it's going to cost you time and energy it's just not worth it yeah uh, it's it's really awesome that i think all of us learn from those failed products we try to sell them any way possible and it builds us up but like you were saying if you know the platform that you're selling on and you know that you're bringing a product to market that is meeting a need that isn't being met right now and you have a strategy for that platform. And I agree, uh, the first, my phase one of launch, I don't run, um, I do spin up my Google ads, but that's just because Google ads take a couple of weeks to spin up. But um, I only focus on exact match, sometimes phrase match depending on the keyword, but very, very targeted keywords. I'm not running an auto campaign during the first couple of weeks launch because your listing isn't indexed yet. So you're going to get a bunch of bad data and it's just, it's not good to not tell Amazon exactly what your product is and where they should be showing it because otherwise you're just going to get bad data and you're going to be indexed for all sorts of things that you really have no business being indexed for. So love that strategy. I think it's great. And I'm, I'm glad that you guys also take advantage of, of external traffic eventually. That's awesome. <laughs> so great launch process, but what about your best, give us your best ninja ranking tricks. Best ninja ranking trick. Um, so we've tried so many things. One trick that I could mention is what's bad for ranking because it'll allow you to avoid it, which is almost as good as ranking. So the nice thing that we learned, so last year when we had the ASIN restock limit and we, you know, 
well, our first product failed. So we only bought a couple hundred units for the second and third product. And the nice thing was that we saw we're going to run out of inventory. We're going to sell out. We're going to be out of stock. So we actually turned off PPC. And what we noticed was by turning off PPC, all our sales were organic. That organic sales have way more power for ranking than PPC does. And you know, before that, we're putting so many sales on PPC and even top of search. We want to get that PPC sale because we figured that's the only one. And by just having a bit more patience, getting organic sales actually helps boost it. And then we actually found it on a couple other websites, I think Seller SEO or something, that they actually had a plot that showed you the ranking juice of different types of ads or organic sales, external traffic, how much that helps, right? And organic actually carries a lot of the weight. And we actually tested that again a couple months later when, you know, we're finally back in stock and we're running out of stock. Uh, we turned it off again and, you know, we did $480,000 worth of revenue in 30 days, purely organically, which was crazy. The, the real lesson came though, when we were out of stock, then we were out of stock for two months. So we're like, okay, this is going to be hard. We're going to have to re-rank. Now we had all the stock we could ever imagine because we bought a lot of stock and now we're pushing PPC hard. And what we noticed was the harder we pushed, like we opened the floodgates, the worse our ranking got. Yeah. And we're like, it doesn't make sense. We're, we're giving Amazon more money. We're, we're getting more sales. But what was kind of happening was that we, our ad contribution was going up. So we're getting less organic. It wasn't counting as much. We're putting the, you know, the, we're spending a lot of money for top of search. So the sponsored ad was always above the organic one, always. And so we, the customer had very few chance. We're cannibalizing organic sales. Um, so then we decided, okay, we panicked. We said, okay, we only want to do highly relevant. Our best converting one was our video ad. So we turned off all PPC except for the video ad. And then we noticed our ranking was hurting. And we're like, this doesn't make sense. We're converting so well. Our unit session percentage is good. And not only was the video ad converting well, it was, it was, ball, it was driving a lot of sales, lot of sales. as well. And we're like, we're selling, our video ad is targeting a single keyword and it's selling a ton. Why is, and our ranking was just stagnant on this keyword. So then we realized that the video ads for Amazon is considered a brand ad. So it's attributed to the brand, not necessarily to the product. So it doesn't carry the weight of the product for the organic ranking as much. It's essentially saying, okay, this brand, let's say Nike, is getting a, a sale. It doesn't really know what product you're selling because it's a brand ad. It's the same like if you run a store ad, right? It just gets attributed to the brand. So uh, although they're really good for conversions and like they were cheap for us at the time, there wasn't a lot of competition, it wasn't helping with the ranking. So like our ninja trick would be to everyone that talks PPC, they're obviously most of them are trying to sell you their PPC products or methods or their agencies. So they're going to say PPC is master and you have to do it. But sometimes less is more because you still want to try to get those organic sales. So don't cannibalize your own organic ranking with the PPC stuff. And it might be as simple as saying, look, if we're on the top half of page one, we're going to make sure we bid low on PPC so that the, the sponsor placement is below the organic placement as a, like you're going to catch them the second time around. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundTable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.